Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 574 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains, and we know plans can change. And right now, it seems like the Ottawa Senators are going to start next season with three goalies at the NHL level. So Pilsy and I are going to get in to if and how that dynamic could possibly work. And our prospect profile countdown continues. We have numbers 30 and 29 on our list today. Don't mistake this Jack Hughes for another one. We'll get into all that and more. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. More odds, props, and lines than ever before. Visit betonline.net where the game starts. And now the show starts. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Monday, June 6th. We are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube, where the best way you can help us grow is like the video by clicking the thumbs up button below, subscribing to the Locked On Senators YouTube channel, and leaving a comment as well. Today's comment that we'd like to know is after the scouting combine, you always hear the funny questions that the teams ask different players. If you were putting a kid on the spot, what kind of question would you want to know about him? Pilsy, I asked you on Friday. You had a couple of good answers for me, but always hilarious. The one that stood out, Callie, um, Callie O'Dalius, I think it was, said that the Habs asked him if he would take $10 off a toilet seat or reach into the toilet and get a $50 bill. I weird. <laughs> that's, that's weird. There's a lot of questions you need to ask. Like, is it... Are we talking fresh bowl here or? Uh... <laughs> well, I mean, their logo is basically a toilet seat. So, <laughs> How deep are you willing to go into a toilet bowl for the Habs? Yes. Exactly. Well, I mean, just look at the standings. They uh, had the spins, if uh, if you will, as they went all the way down. First team to finish 32nd. All right. That's neither here nor there. I do want to get into the Sens goaltending situation right off the bat with you because how can you have three tendies? There's only two nets of practice pills. last time I saw the dimensions of a hockey rink. How do you think it would even work? It wouldn't work. I mean, that, just to put it bluntly, that's the answer. And every time we talk about this, Ross, I, th- I think... Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, Great show. Great show. We're done. <laughs> Wrap it up. Um, but every time we talk about this, I think about the same thing. It's, uh, it's that Arrested Development meme where they're talking about... It never works for anyone, and everyone thinks it will work for them, and it doesn't. But yeah. maybe, just maybe, it'll work for us. And that, like, whenever in the history of hockey has a team using three goalies worked out, like, it just makes everyone upset. Like, no, none of them are happy. Like, honestly, I think Philip Gustafson would rather go to Belleville and get starting time rather than be the third goalie, wonder, having his fate determine on how Matt Murray feels at 4 p.m. for a 7 o'clock start. Right, but that's the easy play, or would have been this past year. They can't do that because now he needs to go through waivers. So he just gets claimed off if that's the case. So they're in a bit of a pickle from that standpoint because 
Matt Murray hasn't been able to stay healthy for a long enough stretch that he can be a starting goalie at the NHL level. Or even a backup, honestly. Pierre Dorian's in a bit of a tough spot unless he's going to grab his pads from his playing days, keep them in the office, maybe be an e-bug. That would be all time for ratings, Mm -hmm. by the way. A GM getting into a game as an (laughs) e-bug. Unbelievable. I'm just picturing it now. Or we've already talked about this. Gord Wilson doing the the color commentary in goal. We see that in the All-Star game. No (laughs) doubt. But we joke because you can't have three NHL goalies. And Ross, what I think now that I've kind of had some time to think about this and that Pierre Dorian has said multiple times that that's what they're doing. I don't think for a second he actually plans on doing that. I No, for real though. I think this is a uh, negotiating tactic. He says we don't negotiate through the media. I think that's exactly what he's doing. I think he's trying to... He doesn't want it to seem like the value of Matt Murray or the value of Philip Gustafson is down to other teams because I think he's looking at trade. He, he has to trade one of them. And or buy out Matt Murray. I think it's probably more likely than trade. But I don't seven million dollars in real cash the next But Ross, years. we've talked about the buyout situation. Colin White, you gotta do that. Uh I, I'm not sure two. how many yeah, so and then you're looking at Nikita Zaitsev possibly that's going to be an option too. So I just think that what he's doing is he's, he doesn't want to show his hand and let other teams know he's desperate to move one of those guys because I've been thinking about it more. And I really think Philip Gustafson could be used as a part of a trade because they referenced the trade. Uh, was it Sam, Sam Reinhardt or um, yes, it was Sam Reinhardt where Devin Levy. Went exactly. The other way. Attached with a, a, a good First. pick going the other way to acquire good talent, and I think that's what the Sens could do. Because look, this was Philip Gustafson's year to show that he he is the guy the Sens think he is, and I would argue he he didn't show them that. And I think they would want to move him now while other teams still think there's a light at the end of the tunnel and that he hasn't quite reached his potential. And I think his value is still good now. And our our good friend Mad Sogard. He he's looking like he could be the guy of the future and he has a lot more runway than Philip Gustafson. So I really think that could be the play because to move Matt Murray, you're going to have to sweeten it to buy it out. It's not going to look pretty. And you're at a point where Gustafson, you can't send him down through waivers now. Like we talked about, he's on a one way. So I really think that's Pierre Dorian just trying not to lose leverage in this situation. In 16 starts this past season, Philip Gustafson had five wins he had the same number of starts with a save percentage below 850. Yeah. Not a good year. And he'd probably tell no. you the and, same. And Ross, even if we're talking not about the NHL, okay, they brought him down to the AHL at the crucial moments at the end of the season and in playoffs. And he didn't exactly uh, do amazing down there either. When they, they gave him the net, it was his net. He had the starting time. He was the guy playing in the playoff games and it didn't work out. Yeah. Unfortunate. Right, they picked him to, to be their one goalie that they protected in the Seattle expansion yeah. draft. Uh, it was a tough season, no doubt, for Philip Gustafson. I'm curious too what what happens in goal because if that's the case, do you go out and get another two way guy then who you don't care as much if you put him on waivers? By the way, tomorrow is Philip Gustafson's 24th birthday, so you're looking at a guy who like at some point you're not a prospect anymore. Exactly, you're 24. You're like you're in the prime of what is going to be your playing day, like 24 to 34, I'd say, for goalies. you you got a few extra years on the back end. We've seen that time and time again, that goalies can can stay in. But 24, like at this point, 
Let's go. This guy's played five seasons with Belleville, Pilsy. Five. He's been on the team almost every year of their existence. But, and as I bring up almost every time, he was never put in a position to succeed. Like, look at look at his game logs for uh, Belleville, right? Like, hardly ever playing a full starter's role uh, amount of games played. He's been the victim of Matt Murray getting injured, and then he just goes up and he's just sitting on the bench for a while, like... He, he's had uh, his own struggles. He's had other goalies kind of push him out of uh, of his job and he's had to battle with. So I never really think they gave him the proper chance, but that that's what happens. Like you can't, they, they've done what they could this season and it didn't work out. So I think it's mutually beneficial for both the Sens and Gustafson to, to move on. And I think now's the time to make that move. An 871 save percentage in those two playoff games. And not, not that the goals were all directly his fault, but at some point you need your goalie to be your best player. And yeah. this year it wasn't that for, for Philly franchise, unfortunately, because you want to see him succeed. Like he looked good in, in spurts, but too many 800s. Like look at up and down. Like he had that great nine game sample last year that yeah. ultimately pushed the Senators in the direction of protecting him over Joey Decord. And it just, uh, it didn't work out the way anyone would have liked this season. And I'm intrigued by the possibility of having him in a trade package this offseason. But if that's the case, you can't run with just Sogard as the guy who comes up and down because we don't want him to be in the same place that Gus was in. So you go out there, maybe not a Michael McNiven, but you go out there and you get a two-way guy who you're comfortable playing NHL games like, for example, and I know the Habs had more goaltending problems than just one guy, but like a Sam Montembeau, like, He's not a good NHL goalie, but he can play NHL games. But you're mostly hoping that he's down and in a veteran role in the minors where Mads can still control the net. And hell, we want to get Mando some yep. games at the AHL level this year too. But you just, it's unfortunate. But can you trust Matt Murray to stay healthy? That's pretty much where this whole discussion circles around because three goalies wouldn't be an issue if the Senators were just like, okay, Forsberg and Murray, those are our dudes. But they need to have an evacuation plan if and when Matt Murray goes down. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. And and maybe, just maybe, if Matt Murray isn't pegged as the number one guy and we're all over the contract, we know it's a bad contract, we know he's overpaid, we know he can't be consistent, but if we just let all that wash away down the drain and just say he's, he's, he's our backup goalie, he's going to play sparingly, then maybe he doesn't get hurt as often. Maybe the pressure doesn't get to him. Maybe he can stay a little healthy and uh, maybe he can be a decent uh, backup option, which I know sounds absolutely terrible. I get that, but I don't I don't know what they're going to do here. How about our boy Martian? You want to read off this tweet all time? <laughs> I don't really see a scenario next season where Forsberg doesn't start 70% of the time. If DJ wants to keep his job, that's how it's going to be. Fact. I mean, f- fair, but also, holy crap, when you picked Forsberg up off waivers, you weren't penciling him in to play 70% of your games in, in upcoming seasons. Like, it's just crazy. But you also weren't expecting him to get a first place vote for yes. the Bill Masterton Award, which, again, stick taps, Carey Price with yep. the victory, well earned, battling his way back from knee injuries, from going to the NHLPA substance abuse program. He is by far the worthy winner of the Bill Masterton, but Anton Forsberg getting one first place vote. And we got to get a shout out here for Corey Lavalette. He works in Carolina, a place where Anton Forsberg used to ply his trade. And we are working 
to get Corey on the show. We'd like to hear his rationale behind being the one man out of, I believe, 157 ballots to pick Anton Forsberg for number one for the Bill Masterton. So stay tuned for that coming up later this week on Locked On Senators. Also coming up this week, we've got our draft rankings. This is the best time. We've got the first round level talent coming to you. We're doing two per day. And if you missed any, we've got a full playlist on YouTube where you can click any player that drives your interest. It'll be just that part of the segment from each and every show of Locked On Senators. We want to thank everyone for choosing to let us be a part of your day. The fact that the numbers are staying consistent, if not growing, when we're now over a month since the last Sens game, it's truly unbelievable, and it shows the passion of Senators fans. And I'm not breaking any news here, but I will say good news is coming for the Ottawa Senators. And I'll leave it at that for now. Pilsy, you got a word from one of our sponsors, and let's get into our draft rankings. Absolutely, Ross. And hey, this is something I start every single one of my days off with. It's the best morning routine, and it's all thanks to Athletic Greens. Easy, easy, guys. Just one scoop of AG1 in your water in the morning before you have breakfast, before your coffee. Get those vitamins in you, and it is the ultimate, ultimate health Uh, start to your day. There's 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and more. So you can start your day off right. I start my day off with it because that's better than taking uh, pills, having vitamin gummies, and it's just one easy scoop. It's lifestyle friendly. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it's good for you. It contains less than one gram of sugar and still tastes good. No GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything. That's what you like to hear. And it costs you less than $3 a day. So when you're investing in your health, it's cheaper than your cold brew habit and much better for you. So you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in your cup of water every day. That's it. It's nice and easy. And to make it even easier, guys, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance from Athletic Greens. You are listening to Locked On Senators. I'm Ross Levitan. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Levitan. And Brandon Pillar is at Brandon Pillar 1. And that's because I think he's won one parlay in the last two weeks. We'll get into that at the end of the show. But, Pilsy, we got to get back here because we are into the first round on our draft rankings. We've been counting down from 64. We've done two. We, We will do two full rounds. We've done one already. We've got another one coming up. The scouting combine was last weekend, so we're going to incorporate the the rankings from different agility drills, the VO2 max. We might mention them in passing. We're not going to just read off the leaderboard of how 17-year-olds, how many pull-ups they can do. Don't really care. But if it comes into the scouting view of these players, then we'll get into that. And I think Sense fans will be pretty excited at one of the comparables that this next player has. Coming in at number 30. On the Locked On Senators Draft Rankings from the U.S. National Team Development Program, defenseman Ryan Chesley. 
I have a lot of good things to say about Ryan Chesley, Ross, and we've already uh, made profiles about some of his uh, D partners. Seamus Casey is uh, it was one of them in the top four at the Lane US- Hudson. Yeah, Lane Hudson at the USNTDP, and now we're on to Ryan Chesley. So this he's very similar to Ty Nelson, like not a tall guy, but a thick guy. And if you're watching on YouTube, right shot defenseman, six feet, so average. But 201 pounds, he is an absolute unit. And with the USA U18 program, he had 59 games played, 12 goals, 17 assists, good for 29 points. And he is committed to the University of Minnesota. Wait until you hear what Mitch Brown compared him to. But first, let's get to our draft rankings where Bob McKenzie has him at 18th on his list. Next up is Chris Peters. At 34, Elite Prospects at 35, Scott Wheeler at 40, and Craig Button at 64. All that averages out to 36.66. Pilsy, Elite Prospects has him at 35, but Mitch Brown says he is Jake Sanderson-esque in terms of it's his defensive play that is his calling card and his skating and high hockey IQ allows everything else to flow in his game. Now, unlike Jake Sanderson, Ryan Chesley is a right shot defenseman. So you can value that as you will. Of course, when we're talking in this range in the draft, it's not the exact same where Jake Sanderson's a top five pick. Everyone had him in the top, I'll say 20. Thanks, Wheeler. Everyone else had him in the top 10. No, we're just playing with Scott. But the U.S. program has developed a lot of great defensemen. The ones that you mentioned, though, this year, like especially Lane Hudson, like you're looking at more offensive minded guys. That's not Chesley's game. Chesley's game is controlling the pace of play with his strong defensive um, awareness. Yeah, and and that's why he was such a good compliment to those guys like um, uh, Casey and Hudson. Because while they were off doing their thing, working with the puck, he was taking care of things on the back end like a good defenseman should. And he's able to... like. Just everything he does defensively works so well. He's a good skating two-way defenseman. He's not the tallest guy, but he's strong, like you mentioned, 200 pounds, and he uses that strength to throw big hits. He wins board battles. He clears the front of the net, and he has no issues blocking shots either. Like, this guy is a coach's dream, if you ask me, and I feel like he's the perfect yin to the yang of an offensive, uh, more puck-moving, puck-carrying defenseman. On the left side, the Ottawa Senators are full of that. You've got Tom Shabbat, Jake Sanderson, like you mentioned, more of a two-way guy rather than full offense. But he's a guy that likes to have the puck on a stick and can make a good first pass and is excellent in transition. And then Eric Branstrom on the bottom pair. So no matter where he's slated on the right side of the Sens, he's the perfect complement there. And I feel like it's it, it would make a lot of sense for the Sens to target this guy, not only because he's a, he's a strong right-shot defenseman, but also they love drafting out of this program. Yeah, they certainly do. Now, the naysayers will point at his lack of offensive production this year, 29 points in 59 games, which, I mean, isn't brutal when you're a top-four guy. Look at the goals. I, I know, but I'm just going off what uh, what these People players, are saying, guys, not you saying. Yeah, people are saying this. I'm not saying this. I think that the way that he was controlling the breakout on the clips that I watch, I was like, man, this guy's got puck skills. It's not like he's, yeah. he's someone who, when the puck's on his stick – he turns into number 22 on the Senators. Like mm. he, he can shake shimmy and get out of the zone and scan well. He, he chooses whatever the best option is. Doesn't try to force pucks into the feet of his his uh, teammates. The puck's always on the stick. And 
the offense has been there at every other level. Like he was almost a point per game on the U.S. under 17 team in his first year with the program. So I don't really see that being a huge detractor for him. And if he's anything like Jake Sanderson, we know that wherever he needs to work on most as a weakness will then become a strength of his game. So I'm just believing in Ryan Chesley that he's the type of guy that as he gets to the next level and Minnesota is going to be his home, so he'll be an NCHC guy going up against Nodak in that really tough conference. That's going to help develop both sides of his game, I think, especially when you're looking at Minnesota's team. I believe that they're going to be a more young team. They won those back-to-back championships in 2019 and 2020. Or sorry, 2018, 2019. There was none in 2020. And then they graduate a bunch of their defense. And like in Winnipeg, we had Dylan Sandberg from that team. But now they're bringing in this next wave of players for the University of Minnesota. And I think he's going to have a big chance to not only be a defensive-minded guy. We know their head coach, Scott Sandlin, was a very defensive defenseman in his playing days. So I think that being under his tutelage is going to be extremely solid for his development. And if he can get even a little bit better offensively, I wouldn't be surprised if this guy ends up being a top 20 pick, let alone first rounder. Yeah, agreed. And he has a great shot. Like we, we talked about the goals that he gets, like he's able to get those goals. He has that strength to have a clapper from the point. And I think it's important to put into context when you're talking about Chesley's offense, you just talked about it. Lane Hudson and uh, Seamus Casey, they're getting all the power play time. So he's like, he mixed in a couple of power play uh, a time, it seemed, but not the majority of it. He was more used penalty killing. He was used on both sides of special teams. But I think when he goes to Minnesota, he's probably going to get an opportunity at least to be an anchor on the second power play unit there at the very least. So I think we're going to see a little bit more there. And his his numbers are down because he's probably been told to focus more on the defensive side of the game since they had those offensive guys that were able to take care of that. So I, I really don't think that he's someone that you need to look at the points and be worried. And I find Ross, maybe we're a victim of this too, or guilty of this too, but when you're looking at prospects and the points aren't there, it's just an immediate kind of damper on them. And you're like, well, he doesn't get a lot of points. Why would the team pick him high? Well, it's not all about points, especially no. when you're not, a de- when you're a defenseman. So I really, I'm not buying too much into that. And I think he's so good defensively, Ross, that it's going to allow his line mates to flourish offensively. Like him being so good at shutting down other teams' uh, attacks, him being so good at separating the man from the puck, winning those loose puck battles in the boards and the corner of the boards is just going to help his team offensively more. So I I don't buy in at all that the offense is a problem with Chesley. So even as we're pulling up his Elite Prospects page, if you're watching on YouTube, five points in his last 10 games, plus 17. Like that, to me, is the type of defenseman you're going to get from him. He was plus 66 combined (laughs) in the two in the USHL and U18. Like, so if you're worried about offense, that I'm glad. Like you brought that up at the perfect time. Great co-hosting, Ross, because that just that just shows my point exactly. Sure, he's not the one putting the points up and getting the goals and assists, but when he's on the ice. Teams aren't scoring against him, and his team is scoring. It's perfect. I see him as a bit, and maybe because I use this as an early comparable for Jake Sanderson during his draft year, but do you see a little Ryan McDonough in him potentially? Yeah, a little bit, although I like the McDonough comparison for Jake Sanderson a little bit more. I saw, um, and I wish I could quote it, I forget who had it, but I saw someone compare him to Lindgren 
on the Rangers. Okay. And I thought yeah. that was a good comparison because Lingard plays good. a tough game, but he's not someone out there that's making mistakes that make you throw your hands up and are like, what the hell is he doing? So I really see Ryan Chesley as uh, more of a Lingren type. All right. I like that. Guess where Ryan Lindgren went to school? Minnesota. University of Minnesota, there buddy. Oh, wow. Yes. Ryan Chesley is born on February 27th, 2004 uh, from Minnesota, as we mentioned. Went to the prestigious Shattuck St. Mary's Prep School and then spent the last two years with the U.S. program. Wore a letter at the under-18s where he had five points in six games, so showing a bit of offensive flair. And a plus 13. I was going to say, so a plus 79 well. combined on the season. Like, that, <laughs> that is absolutely insane. Yeah, not bad at all for Ryan Chesley. He, for me, is a four-and-a-half-star guy. I absolutely adore the style of play. And maybe, as a Senators show, watching a defensive defenseman, or so was told during the draft process, in Jake Sanderson, develop all the other parts of his game. Maybe I've got a little bit of a tunnel vision for that. But I just think that this is a no risk player. We talk about now we're getting into the zone where it's much more likely than not that these players will be NHLers. I think it's more likely than not that this guy is going to be a a fourth or fifth defenseman on a team. And if he can bring in a bit more offense, hell, this guy could be a top of the rotation type player. Yeah. Ross, I am right there with you. I got him at four and a half stars as well, because I like, this is a guy I could see the Sens targeting for a long time. And similar to Tyler Clevin, this is a guy I could see them trade up to get. If he's right there Whoa. and they think someone's looking at him, I could see them making that kind of move because he, he fits the bill for the Sens just so perfectly. Like I said, right side, strong side for the Sens. And Chesley is exactly that. And I, I just think that if you can draft a good solid right shot defenseman in the draft that's the way to do it because you can't get those guys any other way that is how you get a right shot solid defenseman so i'm all for it for ryan chesley four and a half stars let's go all right before we get back to our draft rankings a quick word from our friends at bet online betonline.net has you covered with more props odds and lines than ever before everything is in full steam when you're looking at the nba finals you're looking at nhl playoffs football seasons even just around the corner so you want to be all prepped and ready to go when that time comes from all the latest odds props and player performance lines ever before go to bet online for the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season head to the website today or you can even get all this on your mobile device and phone so Learn about the trends in action. Go to betonline.net. It's where the game starts. All right, Pillsy, back to the countdown we go. Okay, this one I'm a little torn on. I will admit, I am a little torn on this next player. Coming in at number 29 on our draft rankings with an average of 36.17 from Northeastern University. Center, Jack Hughes. Huh? Not that Jack Hughes, Ross. He is not re-entering the draft after being a top selection for the Devils. This is a different Jack Hughes, but uh, similar to the other Jack Hughes, he has hockey pedigree in his family. You may know his dad 
the GM of the Montreal Canadiens, and his brother was a seventh-round pick of the New York Rangers and also plays on Northeastern. So hockey runs in the Hughes bloodline, let's just say that, no matter which Hughes family you're talking about. So interesting. He was talking about how it was so strange for him to be interviewed by the Montreal Canadiens at the draft. He said his dad left for a little bit, then just came back and sat in the back of the room because that's got to be awkward for the dad as well, right? You don't want to be selecting. We always see in the seventh round, like remember when Marty Broder took his kid in the seventh round with the Devils? Um, Chris Doan. That was Um, another, although that was uh, an earlier Josh Doan. That was second round. Um, I think it was Chris Drury's kid. It was a seventh rounder. And uh, anyways, you see it from time to time where it's kind of like, okay, we'll just draft him just for fun and, and we'll see if it works out. No risk uh, really in the seventh round. But this kid, the rankings will tell you exactly where he could go. Scott Wheeler has him at 23rd on his rankings. Bob McKenzie and Chris Peters have him at 27. Elite Prospects and Corey Pronman have him at 46. And Craig Button has him at 48 so he's he's got a pretty small range compared to other players that we've we've profiled pills he like 23 to 48 like comparatively that's that's pretty tight yeah definitely uh, that's for sure and um, just for the people listening we'll uh, rhyme off the rest of his stats here so he's a centerman six feet 169 pounds he was with northeastern uh university last season 39 games played seven goals nine assists good for 16 points so i think it's it's tough again you can't just look at the points when you're looking at prospects especially guys who it's their first season in college he's one of those guys uh, that uh, was ahead of uh, most other in this draft so He's not playing as much as he probably would have if he stayed in a uh, lesser program. He was a part of the US NTTP for two seasons, which is also rare uh, with his well, birthday. No. Well, that was allowed. Well, what's what's different is that in the second year there, like that's where most of the players were playing for this season. So I yes. think that to compare his points, he's one of the oldest players in the draft. He's yeah. uh, he's born no- November second, two thousand and three. Yeah. Massachusetts kid, so obviously going to Northeastern right in Boston is is great for him. But 16 points in 39 games, only seven goals. Brady Kachuk was drafted after scoring seven goals. Things turned out well for him. So uh, I think that – more points, though, for Brady. 100%. No, you're right. You're right. No doubt about that. But for him, like, he's all offense. Like, this is an offensive weapon type player. And I think that if he finds his way to the NHL, this guy's going to be on a power play unit for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's a playmaker, right? So I think that would make a lot of sense. And what Jack Hughes does well is he's able to slow the game down and scan the ice for all options. Like, he's not the kind of guy that has, like, tunnel vision and he's like, okay, I'm I'm coming up the middle ice here. No matter what happens, I'm dishing it off to my left winger. Like, he's not one of those guys where it's a set play. He's able to let everything kind of fall into its place and say, all right, here's an option, here's an option, I'm going with this option, boom. And he's able to facilitate the the play much better. So he's kind of like uh, like a manager in that sense where he's going to get everything started and everything will go through him. And he has no problem attempting risky passes, Ross, and... Sometimes they work and create highlight plays, and you're like, holy crap, this kid is a stud. And other times they don't work, and it creates a turnover, and odd man rush the other way, and you have the camera, the tight camera panning to him after a goal with his head in his hands, and he's just like, oh, crap. So take your pick on on if you want to risk that. Personally, that's awesome in college. A lot of fun. You're going to be able to do that. 
try some of those uh, through through the stick passes in the neutral zone in the pros. And not only are you creating a turnover, but you're probably getting run over by a, an absolute train because uh, you're not you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position. So I think it's impressive what he's able to do, but I don't think it's going to translate to the pro game. And that's his bread and butter is his playmaking ability like that. So that's a big red flag for me. Yeah, that, that's fair. Now, he still did enough, even though he only had 16 points. Like He was on a pretty loaded team. We were just talking about Devin Levy early in the episode. That was the goalie for Northeastern last year. And they finished first in Hockey East. Yeah. Made it to the NCAA tournament. And he, was, he did enough to be named to the conference's all-rookie team. So he does have that pedigree beyond just that his dad's a GM in Montreal now and was formerly uh, an agent for players like Drake Batherson and, and Patrice Bergeron among others so you know he's grown up around the game that that's great but I'm with you I'm a little bit wary about that he's not like a star power type kid like I, I think that you could probably say the same about Chesley but these are these are more like complimentary players but just like Chesley Jack Hughes is a player that makes his line mates better where he can facilitate the puck now what your worry comes in is can he facilitate the same way that he does in college and in junior at the pro level exactly Okay, interesting. So if he has to work on one thing in particular, it's certainly not celebrating. Every photo of this kid, (laughs) he is in the zone when he gets a goal. He is feeling it. Looks like a WWE promo, the way he's screaming and yelling and selling. But what would be one area of his game that he really needs to improve on outside of simplifying? Yeah, I think, I mean... That's kind of all I've got, Ross, because he he's is safe pick. I think he's one of those high floor type guys. Like if you draft him, you feel pretty good that he's going to make his way at least uh, to a pro level at, at some sort of um, roster spot. But the thing is, like when I'm talking about him scanning the ice, instead of going for that risky pass, maybe sometimes take that easy pass of just a, a, a winger coming up with speed and just dish the puck off it to him and let him carry the puck in. Or maybe don't do a no-look drop pass or something like that. So I know you said outside of simplifying, but for me, I think that's probably it. Maybe maybe work on a shot a little so that teams don't just kind of realize he's obviously looking for a pass and then they can cover uh, his line mates a little tighter. So if he gets a shot, it can create a little more space for him. But other than that, I, I think he's a pretty safe, safe pick. Uh, it's kind of funny. They've got uh, we've got a little bit of, of uh, not controversy, but a little bit of back and forth. Where uh, who was it? Yeah, Corey Prodman said uh, he lacks ideal speed for the NHL, and the pace of higher levels will be a big test for him. And then Scott Wheeler says he skates well, and then in brackets, this quality is underrated by some. I'd argue. So the athletic going a little back and forth. <laughs> when it comes to Jack Hughes' skating ability. But I think that you're certainly – I. however, I could see him topping out as like a top-line AHL guy where it's like he's putting yeah. up a ton of points in the AHL, but like that extra level of pace is what keeps him back from being like a middle six option at the NHL level. Yeah, and that's fair. And, and to just kind of go uh, on the positives of him, I'm looking at Scott Wheeler posted uh, a lot of the results for the uh, draft combine. and yes. His name's on a lot of these. Like you're looking at vertical jump, he finished seventh. Uh, you're looking at pull-ups, he finished first. I know we said off the top that that doesn't really matter, but if you can finish first in anything, that's impressive. Can you do uh, one? I haven't seen a gym in years, Ross, so uh, <laughs> I, I don't know where I would be at with the pull-ups. Standing long jump, 
he finished eighth. Guess who finished first in that? Maverick Lamoureux. Shocker. <laughs> uh, bench press power. He's in there too. Six. Like there's there's just so many examples of him showing that like he takes care of himself and he's a good all around athlete, which I respect. Yeah. That's definitely a big thing. But I mean, he's gonna think, play pro for sure. Uh, yeah, I guess that's that's what I'm leading up to here, Ross. Having said all this, he is my lowest stars ranked Whoa. prospect we have here i've got him at two stars i just i don't think the sens need a guy like this i feel like he projects mostly as a centerman they're not really looking for centerman especially centerman without one defining attribute and like i said i don't see his playmaking transitioning uh as well to the pro level and let's be honest just let the habs draft this kid in montreal let kent hughes go up to the podium and uh, announce it like wh- why get in the way of that story so i got him at two stars here i know maybe that'll come and bite me uh later when uh when he's playing in the nhl but two stars i'm glad you brought that up i want to pull this this is a, a real nice moment here uh kent hughes jokes that his draft eligible son jack won't be taken first overall <laughs> i can promise you that and jack hughes quote tweeted said big mistake and tagged the <laughs> bulletin board material dad yeah bulletin board material so it's a great story however would we want to draft someone whose dad works for the habs i mean that is kind of a classic sense just meddling in there i don't know if the vibes would be good on that yeah although with the cell he's like this he's a vibes guy for sure you know what i'm gonna go three just to bring it up a little bit because you're a little lower on him i could talk myself into that i think there's there's tools that you look at you're like okay damn like he can really kind of work work a third line here and add it like a third layer of offense but at the same time i could see the skating and pace being just enough of an issue that he tops out as a top-line AHL guy. So we'll see. The jury's still out. I think this is a guy who's been rising up the ranks, slow and steady. Some uh, outlets in the middle of the season had him as a third-round guy, but now we've seen that range shrink to the second, and all his off-ice habits have to be a part of that. And I guess it goes without saying when you mention he finishes so high in so many categories at the scouting combine, but his compete level's off the chart. So he's a hard-working kid, and I think that his hockey IQ – We'll lead him in the right direction. So I'm going to go three stars for Jack Hughes here, the son of Canadiens general manager Kent. All right, Pillsy. So we'll get back to the countdown tomorrow. We've got a couple more fun ones. I'm just going to pull up a little teaser here. Oh, yeah. We've even got a local product, the Gatineau mm-hmm. Olympique, and that'll be kind of the tease that we'll leave you on today. Uh, quick word on the Stanley Cup playoffs. We've got the Edmonton Oilers facing elimination Tonight, you think they keep that one going? Well, Ross, that is a perfect lead-in to my playoff parlay of the day. and Got to add another L in the column here before I pull up the, the lower third. I mean, it is just L after L after L here. It's been tough. I started hot, and I'm ice cold now. So we are yet again, Ross, at a point where I am going all-in on my parlay. I, You're I'm... 2-0 and on the all-in, though. I am 2-0 and on the all-in, so say what you want, but I'm a survivor. Look out. And you can survive, too. Hopefully, you're not having to go all-in here, but only one game on the docket tonight. The Edmonton Oilers are in Edmonton. They're facing a sweep. This was supposed to be their year. They're the only Canadian team left, so... I just find it hard to believe that Colorado is going to get this win. Now, it's interesting because basically it's a trade-off. 
Kadri hurt on that Kane play, so he's not going to play. But Kane also gets a one-game suspension. So no Kadri, no Kane. Both teams are down a little there. I'm sticking with Edmonton, though. I'm taking Edmonton Oilers' money line at plus 117. I think they give it everything they got, and then the Avalanche just sweep them after gentlemen's sweep. So taking their money line. And then if the Edmonton Oilers are going to win, it's going to be a run-and-gun style game. You can probably pencil in one or two bad Mike Smith goals that McDavid's <laughs> going to have to make up for. So that'll happen. So I'm taking the over, of course. Over is set at 6.5 at minus 135. So Edmonton Oilers' money line. The over at six and a half put six dollars and eighty three cents in randomly. That's a nice amount to bet on a parlay, and you're going to win eighteen dollars and ninety seven cents. That is Pillsy's playoff parlay of the day. I'm rooting for you, buddy. I really am. Now, you think Tampa's on the road to come back? They get their first win of that series. Home team has won all but Game Three of the Western Final. Um, how are you handicapping the rest of that series? I got, to, I got Tampa winning this. I, I know it's so unfortunate they don't have Braden Point, arguably their, their top player, which is crazy to say on Tampa. There's a million top players, but the pedigree is just there. I think I think they're going to make it. I still have them beating the Rangers uh, in the series. Sorry, Ross. I know. I want my Rangers to win so badly. I've got a couple of real nice futures on that. But, hey, this has been a fantastic series. Like, back and really forth, like that third period comeback for Tampa – Last game, getting the goal in the final minute. Like, we got our goalie showdown in that one. So yep. it takes 51 shots to beat Shesterkin in a game. Like, he was he was on top of his, um, on the top of his throne, but the big cat down at the other end made some unreal saves. So, yep. it, it, just like everyone predicted before the series, if you like goaltending, that's a series for you. And if you like offense, well, we saw it in game one, a little less so. I mean, we had a, we had a shutout for Pavel Francouz yeah. uh, in game two for, for the Avalanche, but this has just been a fantastic playoff uh season so far but Honestly. even these series and i'm not ready for one to end so i'm gonna be riding with your parlay tonight nice. and i'm not going all in like you did but i'm <laughs> certainly gonna have some fun uh with that as well hope you had some fun learning about our draft prospects today and let us know in the comments as well what the heck should pierre dorian do with the sense goaltending situation right now murray forsberg gustafson all on one-way contracts need for waivers something's got to give and we'll be here every step of the way with you throughout the offseason. For today, though, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day.